Hey everyone, welcome to episode 83 of the Talking Fires podcast. Your host Ben Fadden here today. Uh, as the Holiday Bowl unfortunately just got canceled between UCLA uh, and North Carolina State due to UCLA's uh, kind of COVID problems, which is unfortunate. Uh, I came here today with that canceled, just wanted to talk some Padres baseball because it's kind of unfortunate that you know, the San Diego sports, it's, it's an event that the pot, uh, that San Diego was waiting for for two years with not with one not happening last year. Uh, this would have been the first Padres or first football game at the Padres Stadium, Petco Park. You know, they spent a long time making that field and preparing, obviously. And so to all that, to not even come to fruition and not even to see a game played, uh, with you know less than four hours before the game was supposed to start UCLA having that COVID issue uh, it's really unfortunate but I wanted to talk about it kind of just a thought popped in my brain today just to talk about on this episode episode 83 of the Talking Fires podcast is about Tony Gwynn never winning an MVP award uh, you know he's viewed as arguably the best hitter of all time uh, the best hitter of all time if you talk to most San Diegans uh, with a little bit of bias there, but it's pretty much him, Babe Ruth, and Ted Williams, right? I mean, you could argue Barry Bonds, but I'm in one of the crowd that, you know, just makes him not even uh, one of the choices in this debate because of the way that he cheated. Um, But you could go various ways, but I think Tony Gwynn easily is a top five hitter of all time uh, to Really, regardless of who you speak to, he has a an award named after him. So I wanted to just talk about just how weird it is that Tony never won an MVP award, regardless of all the silver sluggers he won, the all-star appearances, uh, the gold gloves he won. He won multiples of them. And obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, just it was just it's just really, really mind boggling to me that he never won an MVP. And so today I wrote in my notebook a bunch of stats, compared his years all the way, you know, pretty much his whole career to every award winner that won that year in the National League, obviously, not the American League because he could never win that, obviously, only in the National League where he was with the Padres. Um, so before we get kind of started, there there are two years. That's kind of the main thing here. There are two years where I think you can make a good argument that he should have won an MVP. And because an MVP is one of those things that it's like, well, you were the best player in the world that season. I mean, that's an accomplishment. Most MVP award winners have a strong chance of making the Hall of Fame. Uh, He obviously did it without an MVP. So, I mean, it obviously can be done. Only two guys can win it in Major League Baseball, one from each league every year. Uh, But it's still, it's just weird that he never won one. Uh, I'm starting the comparisons that I wrote down in this book. from 1984, which was his first full season of playing over 100 games, and ended the comparison in 1999 because that was his last all-star season. So I wanted to measure the years where he actually had a chance of winning, right? He played, you know, a lot of games. Uh, You know, he was producing at a high level most of the time just so it was fair. You know, I wasn't comparing his rookie season where he played like 50 games to the MVP winner. That wouldn't be fair to him. Um, but so there were years, right? So there are years where he didn't have a shot, right? The 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 voters got it right. And 
that was pretty much from 1984 to 1999, all but two seasons in my mind, right? 1984, his first All-Stars, he, 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 he placed third in the MVP voting. That was the highest that he that he ever placed in the MVP voting, which was also another kind of mind-boggling thing to me. Like Tony Gwynn, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest hitters of all time, he didn't even play second one year. He third was the highest, and it was his first All-Star season in '84. Uh, he and that was when he lost to Ryan Sandberg uh, that year. He led the National League in average at 351. Uh, he played more games than Ryan Sandberg did. But that was another year where uh, he didn't really, you know, he wasn't going to win. Um, you know, comparing war, war wasn't a big thing back then because analytics weren't really used. It was just the basic stats, which is usually kind of what I used here. Uh, games, war, average, on base percentage, slugging percentage, home runs, and RBIs. Those were the main ones that I used just so it was kind of fair across the board. I used war because I'm a big fan of war. I think it's, you know, something it's it. It's not everything, but it is something uh, because it's a, you know, a, a full, you know, encompassing stat where, you know, they, they measure the defense, the offense. I'm not too, I don't really know too much on how they calculate it, but for, you know, dummies, the, you know, the higher the war, the better, the more valuable are to the team. It stands for wins above replacement. So how many more wins do you, did you contribute to your team season uh, than a replacement AAA player would have? And that AAA replacement player is zero wins. So like Tony Gwynn, for example, in 1984, 6.3 war. So he produced 6.3 wins more than the replacement player that would have replaced him. So that's a really good season. That's that's like an MVP season, what we're seeing. Guys with six wars, you know, that's like really top all-star. You're going you're gonna to get some MVP votes there. So now... Uh, there were some seasons. So 1984 wasn't really an option. Ryan Sandberg, 8-6 war, 8.6 war. 1985, Willie McGee uh, had a war three wins higher. So, I mean, you're just not going to win that. Uh, he had 82 RBIs compared to Tony's 46. Now, I'm not, RBIs weren't, you know, the, the, that was actually kind of bigger than it is now. Uh, just because, again, back then it was basic stats. So I will get to the two years that I believe Tony had a real legit case of winning the MVP where he obviously didn't uh, because again, I just, I'm sure I'm not the only one, right. That found it mind boggling that he never won an MVP before. Uh, but 1984, Ryan Sandberg won 85. Tony didn't really have a realistic shot against Willie McGee. He had a great year there. 1986, uh, Tony actually fit. He actually, so he played the same amount of games as Mike Schmidt who ended up winning with the Phillies. Uh, he had a higher war, he had a higher batting average, but lower on base, lower slugging, lower home run total, uh, lower RBIs, like drastically, like Mike Smith had almost more than double the RBI and home run totals. So didn't really have a chance there. Uh, 1987 is one of those seasons that I will get to that I think he had a really good shot of winning the MVP. And that was uh, Andre Dawson ended up winning with Chicago. Uh, the other year is 1995, which I'll get to which I thought he had a good year. That was uh, Barry Larkin ended up winning. But 1988, didn't really have a good chance. Uh, yeah, he did lead the National League in batting average, but then his war wasn't even close to Kurt Gibson to the Dodgers. Again, uh, Kurt Gibson, 25 home runs. Tony only had seven. So you get what I'm saying? Like there's years where he just didn't stack up and they, the voters got it right. But it's Tony. 
it's Tony freaking Gwynn, you know? Like, you'd think that he'd win an MVP at some point. 1989 uh, against Kevin Mitchell. Again, Tony's war 2.5, Kevin Mitchell 6.9. So that's a big gap there. Uh, 1990, Barry Bonds. Holy cow. I mean, he almost had a 10 war. That's like, you don't see that in Major League Baseball now. He had a 9.7 war, played in more games than Tony, uh, almost had the same batting average, 114 RBIs, 33 bombs. Tony's war there, 2.9 compared to 9.7. Literally, that was like the biggest gap he probably ever faced in his career in terms of war in the MVP race, not even close. Uh, He was pretty close war-wise to Terry Pendleton of the Braves in 1991, uh, 0.5 away there. Uh, but Pendleton led in every st- statistical category that I mentioned earlier. Uh, so I didn't count that there as a year that might have, you know, he, he could have won. Barry Bonds, again, had a nine war in 1992, not beating that. 93, Barry Bonds had a 9.9 war. So even better than 1990, Tony had a 3.1 war, which is still a good season. Uh, obviously not MVP. Um, 1994, strike year. Here's another year that would have probably faced that would have probably been my third year. If I had a third year, I only have two. But that if that was a third year, this would probably be the year where he had a case. Obviously, that was the strike shortened year. He had played the same amount of games as Jeff Bagwell, who ended up winning the award in 1994 with Houston. Uh, Bagwell's war was four wins higher than Gwynn. So that again, that is a big gap. Uh, but Tony, I mean, a historic season. Ted Williams was the last to hit over 400, and Tony, I believe, would have gotten it if that season, you know, continued. He finished with 394. Obviously, they have uh, that drink now in memory of that season. He led the National League, obviously, in average at 394, led the National League in on-base percentage at 454. So I guess that is, just because of how historic that batting average was, that would be my third season if I had one where he had a chance to win. And you could have made an argument, but Bagwell did have the better overall season and obviously had the better war. Uh, As we continue here, 1995, again, that was the Barry Larkin year. That was my second year, which I'll get to that I think he had an argument to win. Uh, 96, his old against his teammate, Ken Caminetti. He just didn't play enough games. 2.3 war. Yeah, he led the National League in average, but he only played 116 games compared to Caminetti's 146. And Caminetti carried that team. A 7.6 war, 130 RBIs, a 40 home run season, and it's a Padre. I'm not going to get mad at that. So great season out of there from Caminetti. Uh, 1997, Larry Walker went absolutely nuts, so you can't uh, fault the voters for voting for Larry there. Yes, it was in Colorado, but a 9.8 war, 9.8 war, that is absolutely ridiculous. He almost hit 50 home runs, 130 RBIs, absolutely ridiculous. 1998 was Sammy Sosa's year, 6.5 war. Tony only played 127 games, just not enough games. Uh, Sosa, 66 home runs. Again, that was the home run chase year that he lost to McGuire, but he he was better overall than McGuire, so the award went to Sammy. And then 1999, Chipper Jones, again, Tony just didn't play enough games, only 111. Chipper took home the award for playing for the Braves, almost had a seven war, 45 homer season. So he, you can make the you can't really make the argument that Tony deserved it there. Just didn't play well enough. Uh, but again, so this is what I did. Literally this morning, I went through all just the notebook, went through all the years, all of his great years. So just to make it fair for Tony, uh, if you can see it here, let me see here. 
on YouTube, just a notebook of um, the years that Tony could have won. Um, sorry, you can't really see it too well because of the background, but um, I might send out a picture later. But now I did want to get to the two seasons that I think Tony had an argument to win the award. One season, uh, I believe, was higher than the other. So I'll start with the second uh, season that had the second best argument of his career that he could have taken home the award. And that's in 1995. Again, like I mentioned, Barry Larkin won that award. Uh, he played 131 games, had a 5-9 war, hit 319, 394 OP, uh, on base percentage, a 492 slugging, 15 home runs, 66 RBIs. Again, Barry Larkin, shortstop for the Reds, took home the award. Uh, but I think Tony has a really fair argument here. And as we as I talk about that argument, I'll share the screen kind of comparing the two players. Uh, this was 87, which we'll get to, but here's 1995. Tony Gwynn on top here for the YouTube audience and Barry Larkin on the bottom highlighted in orange. Uh, Tony finished M uh, in the MVP race. He finished ninth, won a silver slugger, uh, had an all-star appearance. And I think he had an argument over Barry. Uh, obviously a ninth place finish. I think that's really disrespectful to Tony comparison, you know, compared with the year that he had in comparison to Barry Larkin. Tony played more games, had a higher batting average, higher on base percentage, drove in 24 more runs than Barry did, and he had a second straight all-star game appearance. Uh, like I mentioned, so that's uh, his 1995, excuse me if I could talk, his MVP case that year isn't as realistic as 1987, which I'll get to, because Barry Larkin's war was uh, you know, over double what Tony's was. Again, Barry was at 5.9. Tony was at 2.3. So that's a big gap there. But in terms of the stats, just comparing the two to one another, again, Tony, thing, and this was things I did want to mention. This is things that people cared about back then because it wasn't, you know, it's not these big, uh, you know, splits like how do you do in high clutch situations just the basic stats tony again played in more games right availability is the best ability had a higher batting average which is which was heavily weighed arguably the heaviest weight back then because again it was just a simple stat how many times did he get a hit in his at bats uh had a higher average there led the league that year in average with 360 uh, hitting 368 compared to Barry's uh, 319. Uh, again, so higher average than Barry had. He had a higher on base percentage, drove in 24 more runs. That's not, you know, a small five RBI margin. That's a big margin. And then the second straight all-star appearance. So you could make an argument that year. That's my second biggest uh, argument year for Tony in favor of Tony uh, that he could have won the MVP award. Now, Barry fans, obviously, they're going to point to that war and just how he was a better, I guess, overall player you can mention. He won a silver slugger that year, but Tony did as well. And both were all-stars. Yes, Barry won a gold glove and Tony didn't. But in terms of offensive stats, you could make the argument because there are some big offensive coordinate, uh, offensive categories back then that people weighed pretty big uh, significantly that Tony out you know, he edged Barry in. Uh, but so that 
that was one year that I think Tony, if he wasn't going to win the MVP, he should not have, he should have placed way higher than nine. That's my opinion. Uh, yes, I'm a party fan. Yes, you could call me biased, but I did use numbers there to back that up. Uh, my big one here is 1987. Here, I switched to 1987 for the YouTube audience on Baseball Reference, and this is the big one. Uh, Tony placed eighth. That's hugely disrespectful, in my opinion, based on the year that he had. This was his best chance, in my opinion, to win the award. It was not the best. It was not the highest that he placed. Again, 1984, he placed third. That was the highest that he placed ever in his career for an MVP. But in terms of the numbers, in comparison to the t- in, t- in comparison to the player that won the award, that took home the NL MVP, 1987 for me, that was the year. Um, so let's start here, 1987, comparing Andre Dawson, who ended up winning, with Tony. Uh, Tony, in comparison to him, in 1987, again, Tony placed eighth. He should have placed way higher than that. He played in more games than Dawson. In 1987, played 157 games. He played more games than Dawson. Um, he had more than double his war. Um, let's see, 1987 in my notebook here. 1987, Tony's war 8.6, and Andre Dawson's war was four. So that's a huge gap right there. I mentioned the gap between Tony's war and Barry Bonds's war. So obviously Barry Bonds, you know, obviously could have take easily took home the award there in comparison to Tony. He wasn't close. For eight, 1987, it's flipped here. It's not even close, and it's in favor of Tony. 8.6 war in comparison to Andre's four. Now, I know that war wasn't really a thing back then, but now that we have those stats here, it's still a fun thing to see and compare like, holy cow, Tony had a much better overall year if you're if you're a big believer in war like I am in comparison to Andre Dawson. So, again, uh, playing in more games, had more than double his war, had a better batting average. He hit 370. Andre hit 287. Uh, Tony hit had a 447 on base compared to Andre Dawson's 328. So these are big gaps. I'm not I'm not like being, you know, cherry picking these things. These are big gaps. Yes, Andre beat him in slugging percentage and in RBIs and homers, but look, I do I think it's you need to mention this and I think we can mention it now too unless you know, it's a lesser degree just because everyone's kind of turned into a home run hitter. That's just the way they the way that it is with the whole launch angle and the league changing the balls and all that, um, which obviously reports have shown that they have. Uh, obviously, playing in Colorado has an effect, but Tony's home runs and RBI totals, especially in 1987, that, those aren't amazing, right? We can all agree those weren't amazing stats, uh, only seven home runs, but you have to, I think, look at his numbers in a different lens than Dawson. Dawson was viewed as a power hitter, and he obviously showed that, while Tony was showing his value in a different way, in a different role. He was in a different role than Andre was with the Cubs. Tony was in a role batting leadoff, batting second, um, just in a role where his job was to get on base and be the table setter for the power hitters, right? The the power hitters in the lineup, the Steve Garveys of the world, like Tony did in 1984, for example. So his he was still valuable, even though the power, the RBI numbers might not show it. He was more valuable, uh, in my opinion, 
in his role than Andre was in his role. I know Andre had the power numbers, but in terms of overall, which is what we're supposed to be viewing this of, not just offense, the war was off the charts in comparison to Andre Dawson, obviously looking back at it now. Um, Tony took home a gold glove, took home a silver slugger, just like Andre did. They both were all-stars. So I don't want to make it seem like Andre sucked. He still deserved it. But I think that Tony, this was his, he deserved it more in 1987 than Andre did. When you add up everything, the games played, the higher average, um, the, you know, the, obviously the gigantic, I can't speak, the ginormous gap uh, in wars between Dawson and Tony, the higher on base percentage, leading the league in hits that year with 218. Um, so just all those factors. I think Tony had a better argument. I know it's a Padres fan. You can call me biased, but I think he had a better argument than Andre did that year. That's all I'm saying. So Cubs fans want to come at me, go ahead. Uh, But that's my opinion there. There were a lot of years where Tony, you know, this morning I thought there were going to be more years than there was where he had a better argument to win the award. I only found two kind of that you could, you know, make that argument uh, just based on their numbers compared to the person that won it, not necessarily in comparison to the, the players that placed in front of Tony, but didn't win it. But the person that won it, because obviously he's the one that won it. So that's where it makes sense. Um, so I think 1987 was his best chance. 1995 was his second. And then if you want to go a third, 1994, just because of the history, um, you know, and just how. How much how historic that year was going to be if that strike did not happen. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, Again, this is episode 83 of the Talking Fires podcast. Ben Fenn here. Stay tuned to the social medias for all the lockout updates. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, about this whole Tony Gwynn not winning an MVP in his career. Just a random thought that kind of popped in my head today, and I figured to talk about it, see what other Padres fans thought about him not winning. And if you kind of agree with me uh, and my, especially my 1987 viewpoint uh, about him over Andre Dawson, same thing kind of to a lesser degree with 1995 and then 1994 and Bagwell won it in that shortened season. Just what your thoughts on Tony not never winning an MVP, despite all the silver sluggers, the gold gloves, obviously being in the hall of fame, obviously being deemed one of the best hitters of all time, but not taking home an award. Love to hear your thoughts on social media, uh, in the replies on YouTube. Obviously, if you listen to the podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, let us know via social media. Uh, Until next time, let's go Padres, and thank you so much for listening and or watching.